Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on the State of Ukraine, we hear from Ukrainian fighters preparing to retake key land from Russia. I'm Greg Dixon. The city of Kherson in southern Ukraine is a regional capital. It fell to Russia in the early days of the war, but Ukraine was able to retake the city last winter. However, they didn't retake the land south of the Dnipro River, an important waterway. NPR's Joanna Kakissis traveled to Kherson and talked to Ukrainian fighters who've been quietly laying the groundwork to take the land on the other side of the river back. Before the war, the Dnipro River was a source of joy and life on both sides of the riverbank. Locals picnicked on the forested river islands and gardened at their weekend cottages there. A 49-year-old soldier named Alex told me he used to host big barbecues for families and friends on his 17-acre farm near the river's marshlands. Now the Russians are on my land. They are living in my home. They're drinking my water. But, Alex predicts, not for long. I can tell you this, that the counteroffensive here has started and is ongoing. Russian forces occupy around 15% of Ukraine's land in the east and south. In the Kherson area, the Dnipro River is the front line. NPR spoke to Alex and three other fighters in Kherson, crossing that front line and preparing for a big battle to get their land back. They all declined to give their last names for security reasons. And Alex says they also cannot discuss specific details about their missions. All I can say is that generally, today we may be here and tomorrow we may be on land that the enemy occupies. The fighters live in the city of Kherson, liberated last November. Russian shells and missiles hit the city nearly every day. Russian snipers shoot anyone approaching the river or the bridge. More than 260 civilians have died in the area since November. We meet Alex and his wife Svetlana outside an iron gate pockmarked by shelling. Alex is tall, cornstalk thin, and always cracking jokes. Svetlana says nearly everyone she knows has fled Herson since its liberation. My friends told me, like, are you crazy? This is too dangerous. But, you know, I believe that if it's your fate to die, you will die anyway. We follow Alex and Svetlana into a small house surrounded by fragrant lilacs. The house belongs to the wife of another special forces fighter. The two couples live together. Inside, Alex and the other fighter, who goes by his call sign, Michelle, fry schnitzel for lunch. They met last summer when the city of Kherson was still occupied by Russian forces. Michelle says they hid for weeks on the many islands that dot the Dnipro, ambushing Russian soldiers. He says his team attacked from the river while Alex struck from the woods. He was known as a snake, and we were lizards or turtles, meaning we could work on both land and water. 
Alex can't swim and says he feels at home in the forest. He learned to navigate forests as a child, growing up in the Carpathian Mountains of western Ukraine. For me, a forest here is like a park back home. It's small. My wife and I used to go mushroom hunting all the time. They always worried that I would get lost. But it's impossible for me to lose my bearings here. Alex has been fighting Russian forces since 2014, when Russian proxies took over parts of eastern Ukraine. Over the last year in Kherson, he says he has helped locate Russian military camps and weapon stockpiles. He also admits to killing Russian soldiers and taking their weapons. Ammunition was also running low, so we needed it. And the Russians, he says, do not strike him as very good soldiers. They would fire randomly, and if we went in and started shooting, they would kill each other. They seem to have no training. A few miles away from Alex's home, near a suburban park outside the city, we meet two more Ukrainian soldiers, Serhii and Andriy, who are part of a reconnaissance team. They're both in their 40s. Serhii is a cheery former park ranger. Like the special forces, his unit also spends a lot of time on the river islands. This is the closest we can get to the enemy, to see their movements with our own eyes. But the stakeouts, he says, are very risky. The shelling is constant. Attack drones are flying over our heads. There are also drones recording our location. And on the other side, there are Russian soldiers in tanks, ready to strike with artillery or mortars at the slightest movement. The other soldier, Andriy, is the battalion's deputy commander and tactician. He says launching a major military attack across a river is very complicated, and his team is trying to make it easier. We have destroyed enemy sabotage groups that tried to cross the river. We have destroyed some of the enemy's equipment. We have fortified our positions along the coast. And, he adds, his reconnaissance team has also secured positions on the other side of the river, the occupied side. Ukrainian authorities say Russian forces have been evacuating residents from the occupied side and forcing them to apply for Russian passports. Alex, the special forces fighter we met earlier, sees this as a sign that the Russians are weakened. He predicts that the counteroffensive will be effective and quiet. Don't expect some scene out of World War II, like millions of soldiers swimming across the Dnipro River. Everything will happen like it's supposed to. He says he's confident enough to start planning this summer's barbecues at his home across the river on the land now occupied by Russia. Joanna Kakissis, NPR News, Herson. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back for more on the war and its impacts around the world. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.